Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum Podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, I've got a very special bonus episode, a 2022 film. It's the stop-motion animated musical fantasy film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, directed by Guillermo del Toro it, and also Mark Gustafsson. It stars the voices of Ewan McGregor, David Bradley, Gregory Mann, Bern Gorman, Ron Perlman, John Toroto, Finn Wolfhard, Kate Blanchett, Tim Blake Nelson, Christoph Waltz, and Tilda Swilton. I'm Jesse. I'm here solo. I'm excited to talk about this one. This one's got a bit of hype around it. I'm going to do some spoilers throughout. So if you haven't seen this film, I mean, most of you would probably already know the story of Pinocchio. But if you want to keep away from um, this version and, and specifics to do with uh, this interpretation, give us a pause and come back later on. Go away, watch the film, come back, and then give us a listen because I'm going to talk about this one. <laughs> Um, we do start our show with a fast flicks, so we, it's a quick little summary of what it's all about. I mean, how do you rewrite a, a little quick summary of Pinocchio, but I mean, this is about a father grieving the loss of a child and he wishes for a new son. Let's get right into this one because uh, this one has a huge backstory about how it actually ended up on Netflix. Um, so to start off with this, obviously I've mentioned this is the story of Pinocchio that we are all familiar with. Obviously Disney's uh, version is probably the one that most people would be most familiar with. But uh, this version, obviously, it's, it's based on the 1883 Italian novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. This interpretation or the style of Pinocchio in this is specifically based on Grizz Grimley's design from a 2002 edition of his interpretation of the Italian novel. So uh, in 2008, Guillermo del Toro announced that his next project was going to be this dark adaptation of Pinocchio, um, and he had it in development. He called Pinocchio his passion project, stating that no art form has influenced my life and my work more than animation, and no single character in history has had as deep of a personal connection to me as Pinocchio. And he also went on to say that I've wanted to make this movie for as long as I can remember. So obviously a huge passion project. And as we talk a little bit about the story of this coming together, you can see how much influence and how much he wanted to do this his way um, in making this film. because. We sort of skip forward to Feb of 2011 when it was announced that Grimley, who wrote or did the designs of the 2002 Pinocchio, and Mark Gustafsson would co-direct a stop-motion animated Pinocchio film written by Del Toro and his longtime collaborator, Matthew Robbins, and that it would be visually based on these Grimley designs. Del Toro would produce the film along with the Jim Henson Company. Um, so although Grimley was initially set to direct the film in 2012, Del Toro took over as director, and then in um, later in, in 2012, there was some concept art of characters sort of released with a schedule of 2013, 2014, um, but it went into development hell. Um, no further information came until about 2017 in January when Patrick Mac McHale was announced to co-write the script with Del Toro. And then in later in 2017, in August, Del Toro said that the film would need a budget increase to about 35 million or it would have to be canceled. So he, he was clear and said, I wanna spend the right amount of money. I want this vision to look exactly how I want it. Otherwise I'm not making it. So um, it's tough stance throughout. So it got to October of 2018 when it was announced that the film had actually been revived with Netflix acquiring the rights. Commencing of, or the commencement of making this stop motion film, um, it was done in Mexico as well as in Portland and Oregon. Um, and it started at the start of 2020. And then in going back a little bit in 2018, Netflix set the release date for 2021. And Netflix uh, CEO Ted Sarandos revealed that the release date could move to 2022 or later 
because Netflix wanted to release about six animated films a year. Um, and then in December of 2021, about 12 months ago, Del Toro stated that it's gonna come out towards the end of 2022, and that's where we are now. Um, I think it's probably interesting to mention that this film was released about three months after um, Disney actually did a live action remake of their own Pinocchio 1940s film. Um, the visual effects were both done by the moving picture company. So the same company did helped with the special effects. Um, that one, the Disney one from 2022 stars Tom Hanks' Geppetto, if you haven't seen it, uh, it is on Disney Plus as a Disney Plus original. One of the, the characters in um, this version, Del Toro's version, is called Count Volpe, Volpe um, and that is the Italian word for fox, so it still sort of ties back to the idea of the original characters having foxes in this film as well. Um, and then I guess with some of that um, sort of pre-production or, or teaser uh, images that we saw of characters, one of um, the, the, the main villains that was meant to be in this film uh, was this Stromboli-influenced character called Manja Fuko. Um, and he was seen in a lot of the concept art, but um, Del Toro, and if you watch, the Netflix actually have a behind-the-scenes documentary that ties in with, um, with this film as well, and it goes into great depths of covering Del Toro and the cast all making this film. It's a great watch if you want to check it out. But I guess um, this yeah, Manja Fuko character was meant to be the main villain, um, but he sort of... They kept him around but because Del Toro was like, no, nah, I want a different design, and that's where Count Volpe came along. So this uh, Manja Fuko is now in the background of this circus uh, troupe that we sort of see throughout this film. So that's an interesting little thing too. Last little thing I'll talk about is the, the soundtrack um, or the score. Really interesting. So um, Alexandra Desplat, he recorded all of the instruments for this film using wood instruments to tie in with the idea of Pinocchio being a wooden character. So another cool thing about this film. This was released on the 15th of October, 2022, at the BFI London Film Festival, played a variety of festivals, had a limited theatrical release from the 24th of November, 2022, before hitting Netflix on the 9th of December, 2022. As I mentioned before, Del Toro got his $35 million to make this film, uh, and this is, is sort of a uh, being pretty well received because so far it's had 25 nominations at award ceremonies as well as three wins from that. So the wins include the best animated film at the Atlanta Film Critics Circle and also the best original song for an animated film, Chao Papa, um, at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. And recording this, the Golden Globe nominations have just been released as well. And I'm pretty sure the song Chao Papa has been nominated for best original song at the Golden Globes as well. So looking like a positive sort of uh, uh, awards run for this film. Let's look at what the critics and audiences are saying about this film. On Rotten Tomatoes, this sits at 98% on 195 critic reviews. That is certified fresh, really, really positive. Audience also has it extremely high on 85%, and that's on 50 certified reviews. IMDb, it's also high. Sits at a 7.9 out of 10 on nearly 16,000 reviews. And on Letterboxd, it's also extremely high on a 4.1 out of 5 on a bit over 58,000 ratings. So overall, super, super popular. What about my thoughts? What am I thinking? My early thoughts. I think this is stunning. Uh, the animation in this is top-notch. The, the Del Toro visuals are eye-popping throughout, just that, that style that you're used to with his films. And I think this is a fresh take on such a classic and well-known story, and it's really done with precision. This, this is almost a much-watch for this holiday season as we head towards 2023. 
All right, time to talk about some characters. Let's talk about some characters in this one. Um, obviously, everyone knows the characters from the Pinocchio story, so nothing new, really. I guess there's a few little different takes that um, Del Toro's done, but we start off with Geppetto. This is, I guess, Geppetto's story about struggling with the loss of his son, and we, we hear that he had a son during the First World War, um, Carlo, who sort of died from a, a bombing, um, and this death of his son, Carlo, sort of led to Geppetto going on a downfall, going and spiraling out of control, really, turning away from his work, from his church, from the community, taking up drinking, um, and it sort of all comes towards this this event where he wishes for a replacement for Carlo, and that's when we get Pinocchio. Um, but to start off with Pinocchio, he's, he's not really what he wants. Um, and Pinocchio, for an audience too, I guess, he's pretty unlikable to start with, very stubborn, very disobedient. Um, and, I mean, it's nice. We do get this quick turn to to see that Pinocchio does want to do what's right for Geppetto. Um, the, the other character that we all know from uh, the film is the the, the conscious, I guess. Um, and in this one, he's called Sebastian J. Cricket. He's the narrator of this story, I guess. We sort of hear his voice first. Um, apparently, it wasn't meant to be. like He wasn't meant to narrate this story. And it wasn't until Del Toro heard um, Yul McGregor doing the voice for Sebastian J. Cricket in the studio that he sort of changed the story a little bit to have him narrate the whole story. So as a character, I guess he's this this cricket that's traveled the world, he's a writer, um, he's sort of after fame and fortune, um, but sort of thrown this challenge to overcome these needs. Um, and, and sort of obviously, if you know this story, he's, he's gonna overcome that. Um, the other sort of characters that are a little bit different in this one, I guess, we've got this character called Podesta, um, and he's this sort of um, running this, this little town that Geppetto and Pinocchio live in. And obviously we flash forward from when, he, when um, Geppetto's son Carlo died in the First World War. We're sort of in the, the, the era of the Second World War now. So this Podesta um, character is sort of this fascist. Um, it's in Italy, so we're, we're thinking about Mussolini. Um, and this guy sort of wants to run and control everyone. And that includes Geppetto and Pinocchio. He wants Pinocchio to go to school. And unfortunately, that's also the, the case with his son, uh, Candlewick, who's the son of Podesta. And this is just a young kid who's striving for the love and affection of his father, but no matter what he does, it's just not good enough, unfortunately. Um, the next one I can talk about, I guess, would be Count Volpe, who is the, the leader of the carnival. And this is the guy that sort of, you know, sees the, the riches he could make from Pinocchio by, uh, you know, taking on a, a walking, talking, moving puppet. Um, and he not only takes advantage of Pinocchio, but all of those he comes across, including his little sidekick, uh, Spazzatura, who's this little monkey, who is voiced by Kate Blanchard, which is quite funny as well. Um, director, well-known Del Toro, I guess. He doesn't really need an introduction, but just such a varied director. You think he's done Blade Two, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim... Obviously, the, the last two films have been pretty well received in uh, The Shape of Water, winning Best Picture at the Academy Awards, as well as Nightmare Alley, which was also nominated for Best Picture too. And Nightmare Alley last year, I really enjoyed that film. <laughs> so, um, you know, this this is it's great to see him sort of hitting his rhythm and, and making not just big blockbusters, but also films that have a lot to say. And we'll talk about it soon anyway, but this film had an awful lot to say. Um, the other co-director of this one, Mark Gustafsson, um, Name really ringed a bell, or rang a bell, but uh, the only real big animation credit I could see was that he was the animator, animation director for Fantastic Mr. Fox, the, the Wes Anderson-style um, adaptation of a Roald Dahl novel, which uh, is another stop-motion film if you haven't seen. Highly recommend to check that one out. All right, time to talk about some scenes. What are some scenes that I enjoyed in this one? What are some good, what are some good things in this? So I think... Um, it's not. It's not really a musical. There, there are songs in this film, but the, I mean, and the songs aren't necessarily memorable. But there's this one towards the start of the film that uh, it's Pinocchio sort of talking about everything in life being new, 
and sort of Pinocchio asks, uh, what was a chamber pot and what do you do with it? So I had a bit of a giggle about that. I thought that was quite funny. The next scene for me would be, um, I think, Sebastian the Cricket. He sort of cops a lot of the physical humour in this film, and I guess that's more for the younger crowd. Um, there's one time it worked for me, and it was when Pinocchio says, I'll obey Papa, and Papa's told him, or, or um, Geppetto said, don't go to church, don't follow me. And he just does the complete opposite and just runs over uh, Sebastian Cricket. So that was quite funny. The, the behind-the-scenes um, sort of documentary that Netflix have put out to go alongside this film, I uh, highly recommend it, but while watching that, they go through this one scene towards the start of the film where uh, Spazzatura, the monkey, sort of runs from seeing Pinocchio across the town to the carnival. Um, it was mesmerizing. Um, apparently, that one shot took three months to animate, so absolutely crazy, just great scene. Um, Pinocchio, there's this moment where, you know, Geppetto's been working on this crucifix of Jesus Christ in the church and, and Pinocchio asks, you know, why does everyone like Jesus and not me? Um, I'm moving, I'm I'm mobile. And I just thought that was such a great question to ponder in, in a family film. Um, Geppetto gets on a boat at some stage to go look for Pinocchio and then, you know, this is set during World War II and there, there's just this seagull sitting on a bomb in the water and just blows up, just sort of brought back to the reality of, of where this film was set and what I was talking about too. Um, I mentioned before too, Mussolini is a character in this scene. Um, they make quite a bit of fun of him. He, he rocks up in his big, long red car and there's just this short little man that gets out of the car who needs help, you know, getting out of that car. Um, just, I thought that was funny too. And then Pinocchio has to perform for Mussolini too and uh, he sings about poop and poo. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, Mussolini's response was like, shoot him and burn it all down. It was just a, a funny little moment too. Knowing that in this version of Pinocchio, he, he has multiple um, realities or multiple versions to, to come back um, from the afterlife. Uh, there's a scene as well, and these are probably some of my favorite moments um, with Candlewick and, and his father, um, Podesta, but Candlewick is sort of, they're at this um, sort of military youth camp and, and Candlewick and Pinocchio, they're talking about, about his father and um, they sort of have this nice discussion and then they have this this training challenge where they both decide to, you know, share that share the win together, um, like tie it. And they go back and they sort of stand up to his dad. And I just really liked that moment. I thought that was a really nice little mini arc of a story between a father and son um, that sort of reflected the same sort of situation we see with Pinocchio and Geppetto too. Um, when Pinocchio and Geppetto, they're, they're stuck in this sea creature, Pinocchio using lies to grow his nose to get out of it, I really liked. And, and finally, just the, the conclusion with Cricket using his wish to bring Pinocchio back. I just like that too. Um, there's nothing in here that I didn't like, but I'm going to talk a little bit about some scenes and, and some moments in this one, which are going to be quite in-depth realistically. This film has an awful lot to say. To start off with, I'm going to, like this is obviously about grief. Dealing with loss, Geppetto losing his son Carlo, and then feeling like he's lost Pinocchio at multiple times throughout as well. And that leads into the father and son relationship. I mean, loving someone for who they are, not trying to change. And, you know, all of the sons in this film push back, whether it's Pinocchio, whether it's Bazatura, whether it's Candlewick, her fathers can be imperfect. They sing, say things that they don't always mean, um, which is, which is also leads into this idea too of fascism that we see in the setting of the time and the era that Del, Del Toro's decided to, to make this film. And I think that, you know, Del Toro sort of said fascism is a very dark and seductive figure of power for stray souls looking for a father figure that can dictate what you do. And the idea of doing what your country needs you to do too, whether that means, you know, 
war, which, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing all the time. And sometimes laws aren't good either. Like, why do they need to be obeyed? Especially if you're forcing people to fight in wars, it puts them in harm's way and others in harm's way too. Um, and that leads to the idea of, of life, death, rebirth, what it means to be human, like be a real boy, mortality, it's importance because life is brief. Um, and you need to share the moments that matter with those that matter as well. Um, and, and you know, at, at times too, being an outsider can be hard, but at times you just gotta try your best. Um, and sometimes they, they question obedience, who deserves obedience and why? And I mean, there's so much of this is saying too, because there's a bit about faith as well. I mean, I spoke before about that crucifix scene and the church as a setting, but realistically, who's to say that there, there aren't other versions of death and afterlife? Why, why do people pay attention to an immobile wooden crucifix over something that is alive? Um, and you know, they, these, these lead into stories too. Stories will continue past death. Stories are there to, to enjoy um, and to, to figure and to work out the difference between lies and truth. And we see that through obviously the, the physical thing of Pinocchio's nose too. And there's that little push and pull of fame too, you know, being a star, the money, the fortune, the fame that it brings. Um, this film touches on so much stuff and I really enjoyed all of it. So what are some other things that I took away? I think there's, there's this pine cone and obviously Pinocchio is made of wood and you've got this idea of this pine cone that can grow into a new thing. And we see that at the start of the film and we also see it right at the end. So I, I really enjoyed that and think that was great too. Um, I think that the idea too, that Pinocchio changes, of you know, Pinocchio changing everyone, learning what it is to be human and not that the world is the place that needs to teach him. I think it's what Pinocchio can teach others and I really took that out of this film and I really enjoyed that and thought that was really good. All right, I'm ready to wrap this one up because I, I, I think that, you know, this film is well worth a watch. I'm going to give this a rating out of five and I think, you know, even if you're not an animation fan, this, this is so memorable for all the right reasons, especially with a lot of the commentary that it makes. I mean, you, you can't fully expect a kid-friendly movie from del toro but this is probably about as close as you're probably going to get uh it's not for the real little ones but if you sit there with your younger ones and discuss some of the things this film talks about you get so much out of it i'm giving this a four and a half out of five so high rating for me highly enjoyed this film we have socials we've got twitter facebook and instagram give us a follow give us a like if you can the question i wanted to put out there was what's your favorite pinocchio adaptation i mean there are so many so many out there there's lots of good italian ones the, obviously the Disney one is the one that stays in people's minds. Um, I have watched the, the 2022 Disney version with Tom Hanks too. Um, probably not up there as one of the better ones, but this one surely is, is goes up there as a new classic because it's so well done. Thanks as always for joining me for the bonus episode. Um, we have a huge back catalog, over 200 episodes of Netflix original films. Check out our, our feed, see if there's anything on there that you'd be interested in checking out. Um, and we'll be back on Wednesday for our regular show.